Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, CEO of Digital Dawn, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Here on the Ecom Profit Podcast, I open Pandora's box and share with you and other ecom business owners weekly topics that will help you explode your business online. I outline my tried and true secret sauce, the D2D method, that's guaranteed to bring your business results. As an entrepreneur myself, I try to pull out all the same entrepreneurial passions in others. So get ready to be fired up about your business and let's have a great time. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, and today I have a very special guest. Alexa Kilroy, and I am so excited to talk to her. She is a growth marketer and a person who has managed seven-figure ad budgets. She's worked with D2C brands. She spent hours studying consumer behavior, digital marketing, creative strategy, all sorts of things, but she currently works at Triple Whale. And one of my favorite SaaS companies out there, Triple Whale, we use it at the agency. Um, she works on kind of cross-functional teams, aggregating data, kind of looking at all things e-commerce. And first of all, just welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Don. This is awesome. Oh, well, we have so many listeners that use Triple Whale, and we want to dig into Triple Whale and all the things about Triple Whale. But first, before we get into that, kind of give us a little bit. I've just kind of mentioned a few things about your background, but give me sort of your background and history and how you got into the space of e-commerce and, and what you've been doing in this space so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm definitely one of those cases where I totally stumbled into e-com. I didn't know I was going to end up here until I was already you know, deep in the swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually started my career as a high school English teacher, which is kind of always my fun oh my fact. Yeah. Wow. And, um, I, you know, I was teaching and I was like, I could, I could probably stand to make some more money and have a little bit healthier work-life <laughs> balance. And so, um, I transitioned into ed tech for a little bit and then got recruited to start working in e-com, uh, within a number of months, honestly. And, Started at a company that had like three employees. I think I was number four. And it was very much like, we're just going to teach you how to do all these things because sometimes the founders want to go on vacation or you yeah. know, don't have anybody else to do it. Um, and so it was a lot of sink or swim learning. And so um, I worked with that brand, which was a health and wellness brand for a long time. Ended up leading up their advertising efforts. Oh, uh, no. Bounced around for a little bit within the e-com world, but did a lot of work in health, wellness, supplements, um, that kind of thing. Spent the past year before joining Triple Whale at a family wellness brand, leading up their growth marketing and advertising. Great brand. If you are looking for kids vitamins, it's called First Day. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Super healthy, like natural gummies. That was a really fun, fun one to work with. Um, and then joined Triple Whale around May of 2020. So I've been here about six months now. And, uh, as my boss likes to say, kind of came over to the dark side <laughs> uh, to, to join the SaaS world. But I'm very fortunate to have a really cool job. My, my title is head of brand, but I have this really funky cross-functional role where I get to work not only across the whole marketing team, but across product and design and CS. Um, and I get to play around with all kinds of cool data, meet a lot of the 
6,000 plus Shopify brands that use triple whale. So it's kind of an e-commerce marketer's dream. (laughs) I can imagine. So we, you know, at Digital Dawn, our agency specifically, I love the health and wellness space. So I love hearing about that. That's kind of health, wellness, and beauty are kind of our passions. And so I love, I love those brands particularly, but when you were working in some of those spaces, you know, obviously you got to do a lot of different things, right? You got to see, you know, behind the scenes of bigger brands and smaller brands. And now working at Triple Well, you probably have line of sight to so many different e-commerce brands. What, what do you think right now? Like kind of give me your philosophical view on the state of e-commerce, big and small, and kind of where do you see things headed? And then I'm going to ask you some more specific questions about Triple Whale, but I really would just love to hear because you do have line of sight to so many of the Shopify brands, like kind of what are you seeing in the landscape right now as it relates to e-com? Yeah. So for context, when I started my e-com digital marketing journey, I was very like direct response marketing heavy. Yeah. Um, so that meant copy, creative, even the landing pages, uh, particularly in that health and wellness space. That was just kind of the way to go. And it was far easier to get people to convert directly from like one Facebook ad. It was like, right. you know, if you send them good enough creative, good enough copy and a juicy enough funnel, um, they're going to convert. But It's a combination not only of the world, the global economy, all those sorts of things, Mm -hmm. plus the iOS 14.5 woes. Um, I'd say consistently, whether I'm looking at, you know, a really big, really profitable, really crispy brand um, or even a smaller, more emerging brand, um, we're seeing on average that consumers take, you know, three to four touch points to conversion, um, usually across a couple different channels. So maybe a couple different ad platforms, and then they'll convert from email and SMS, um, or a couple different ads, and then they'll they'll search uh, you on Google, and you'll come up with brand keywords for PPC. And so um, we're definitely seeing like a longer customer journey, almost thinking about it more like a longer sales cycle. Hmm. And I would say particularly in Q4 of 2022, where we are right now, um, and looking at maybe those SMB brands or newer brands, uh, diversification of ad spend is key. So I just, I'm not seeing people's like pie chart of spend being, you know, 80% Facebook anymore. Um, There's still a heavy investment in Facebook for the brands that are making Facebook work for them. But um, significant investment in Google advertising. Google has been scaling like bonkers this year. People really just pushing past beyond what I've ever seen spends in e-com. TikTok is is crazy pants right now. It's just uh, the last time I did the math, it was like four or 500% growth in ad spend year over year looking at, you know, 2022 to present versus 2021. Um, And then folks are reinvesting on channels like Pinterest again, where they might not have been before. Um, So just thinking about that diversification of spend, reinvestment in really quality email and SMS, and even some fun things are coming back, like um, direct mail has even been something that I've been seeing reemerge. Yeah. So interesting, interesting that you would say that too, because we're, what we're finding is that a lot of our clients are really wanting to be that omnipresent, right? Like go across channel, have multiple different, um, platforms that they're focused on as well as, you know, going back to some of the basics, right? Some of the things, like you said, with direct response, sending out the flyers, like they used to doing some of that, you know, sort of, um, 
I don't know if you want to call it old school, but things that worked before, you know, we had Facebook and, and the internet to work on those, those, yeah. those things are still and starting to work. And I think people are finding that to be super impactful to, to a certain extent, but when you're seeing things across like those multiple channels, what are some pitfalls or what are some things maybe that you're seeing where people are still not maybe having the success or seeing the things that like they used to before. Do you have any line of sight to that? Yeah. I mean, what I say to brands large and small is it's really important to understand um, your touch points to conversion and how long it takes for you right now at a given moment to get a customer to convert. And so you think about it hyper simply, right? So like, let's say you're selling a $400 watch and we're in Q4, it's coming up on holiday season, whatever. You just kind of have to expect that that's not going to be an impulse buy for people, you know? And so your your pathway to conversion is going to look very different than somebody who's maybe selling like a $20 iPhone tripod right. uh, that a you know, teen might want to make TikToks with. And so it's yeah. really critical that you're looking at your product, your product price point, your customer journey, and you're optimizing for who you are, what you're selling, the current climate, both seasonally and economically and all these things. Um, one of the things I, I know you mentioned, it was kind of okay to dig into specific features in Triple Whale. And so yeah. um, I, for context, even before I started Triple Whale, I was actually a client myself. So I loved the product before yeah. I became a voice of the product. Um, and one of the things that I always call attention to, um, is our customer journey mapping in which you can yes. literally see the percent of customers, um, that are converting at each touch point along the journey. Um, and I just so heavily recommend that brands, if you have, if you are tr- using triple whale, you use that to think about how you can optimize your funnels, um, based on those pathways to either get, you know, people to convert faster at a lower cost, um, I see very frequently, and I often get called onto podcasts where people will ask me, okay, so you're so bullish on TikTok, you're seeing this growth in spend, but we're just not seeing the ROAS, we're not seeing the conversion. Um, and yeah. my my soapbox for Q4 2022 is really um, to be thinking about your MER, your marketing efficiency ratio, and thinking yeah. a little bit more holistically about your performance marketing. Because if we know on average it takes you know most brands three to four touch points to conversion for their consumers, it's okay if they aren't converting. You know, last click on TikTok, it might just be part of their journey. Right. Um, And so making sure that those journeys where you are seeing the conversion kind of in that sweet spot that makes sense for your customer acquisition cost, making sure that the ads that are a part of that journey are doing what they're supposed to be doing, as opposed to kind of stressing out over like, well, I'm not converting on TikTok. It's like, it's a bigger picture now. The math is is more complicated than it used to be, you know? That's what I was just going to say. The, the marketing efficiency ratio is always one that gets clients wound up, right? Like they they kind of, to a certain degree, always feel like that's a, an, an advertising made up number, right? Or we're trying <laughs> to justify why we're saying marketing efficiency. But really, I think you explained it really well in the fact that like, at this point now, there are multiple touch points that need to happen. And so if you can drive those touch points through TikTok, through Facebook, through Instagram, through SMS, and you know that they are then going to convert at whatever platform, even if you weren't seeing, like you're bringing traffic to your site, right? And mm-hmm. again, it might not be the direct ROAS that we once measured from before, but that marketing efficiency piece is so, so important. And I do love that about Triple Whale that you can see different 
points or parts of that journey, which make it very easy as a marketer to be able to say, we know after three points, this is what happens. Or after this particular customer journey, here's where they're typically going to buy or what they typically will buy and kind of insert there. But how how has Triple Whale or how have you as a marketer really tried to explain marketing efficiency ratio to customers and to clients? I mean, what how, how do you best sort of articulate that in your own words? Um, it really depends on who I'm chatting with, but yeah. Uh, I'm Italian, so I love to use like food analogies. Yes, I'm Italian um, too. <laughs> you know, we were like meant to be, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, one of my favorite ways to describe it is think like you're making a pot of soup, right? And so, there are all these different ingredients that go into your pot of soup, and you you essentially, when you go to the grocery store, you're not thinking like. I'm going to spend X on peas and then peas are going to taste exactly like this in my soup. Yeah. Uh, You're thinking about it holistically, right? So you're thinking about the ingredients that go in your soup. Then when you cook your soup, you're not taking that one pea out and eating it and saying, how good is this pea? You're eating a whole spoonful of the soup, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of how I I approach looking at your MER. It's saying, okay, look, I invested this money to to, you know, give me a specific return. Let's, let's say that's your just plain revenue number that you're looking for. Right. And so it's like, if you're just pulling those specific ingredients out and evaluating how they taste or evaluating their efficacy in isolation of that big pot of soup, you're not going to be as happy. You're not getting the full experience. You're not seeing the big picture, but when you have everything, the big pot of soup, and then you take a spoonful of the the soup and it tastes really good, or it, it came out the way that you wanted it, then you're not so worried about the individual costs of the individual ingredients. You're happy that right. the, the money that you spent to make the soup turned out into be a good soup. That's a um, great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my like fun little, perhaps seasonally appropriate as it starts to get a little chillier <laughs> right. analogy for, for thinking about, you know, putting, putting investment in and then evaluating comprehensive yeah. investment return. Yeah. And I think that I, I think so many of us are used to kind of the dollar in, two dollars out that we used to see in the Facebook space. And I agree with right. you. I think now looking at it more holistically and having the ability to be able to see things holistically is so important. And that kind of leads me a little bit more towards conversation around triple whale specifically. Yeah. So obviously I'm a, a big fan. We've got lots of clients on triple whale. We kind of were one of the starting from the beginning kind of, you know, agencies and we have seen a lot of iteration as well coming from Triple Whale, but tell me a little bit about sort of why it came to be and a little bit about maybe some of the hiccups or things that maybe haven't gone as well and sort of the future of Triple Whale. That's like oh my goodness. questions all in one. <laughs> I love it. No, you're like warming my brand lady heart because these are the stories that, you know, people love love to dig into performance marketing and the tactical stuff, but I, I don't get as many opportunities to talk about the beauty that is the origin story. So I appreciate yes. that. Um, but I think pretty much everyone listening to this podcast can relate to the origin story because um, our two of our co-founders, um, one of them, he and his wife were running an e-commerce brand. Um, and our other co-founder was kind of leading up growth marketing for that brand. And the reality is they were spending so much time uh, managing a bunch of different hairy spreadsheets, trying to pull data, trying to crunch numbers. And then they were also, you know, flipping not only between those spreadsheets and the number crunching in their calls, trying to analyze all the stuff and the reporting to going back into the ad platforms and having to make tweaks and optimizations. And um, 
two of our co-founders are actually Orthodox Jewish. And so um, if you don't know a ton about that kind of faith culture, it is very family oriented. It's like mm-hmm. you sign off, you go hang out with your family on Friday afternoon, you practice Shabbos, yeah. you sign off, you like aren't using technology. So it's yeah. really hard to run an e-com brand and you know, be really on top of your performance marketing and the state of union of your business if you need to sign off. Um, And the reality is they weren't, you know, it wasn't going super well for them. They were having a hard time signing off. Sure. And so the solution was, you know, even just for ourselves right now, Max and AJ decided we're going to build a dashboard that helps organize all this data so that we can understand the state of the union of the business at a quick glance. Um, and also we'll be able to make better decisions faster, mm-hmm. um, knowing that we have this data pre-pooled, pre-populated, you know, pre-hashed out for us so we can get back to spending time with our families. Yeah. Um, and that was before the iOS 14.5 rollout. That was, you know, early 2021. I think people sometimes forget that triple whale is like a year and a half old. Like we're right. a toddler. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that was kind of the origin of what was the triple oil summary page. And then shortly thereafter, you know, the rumblings of the rollout, the iOS 14.5 rollout came. And so they worked very quickly to build a first party pixel solution to solve for the attribution challenges. And as they've continued to grow, they've really moved on this general sentiment of, you know, you as an owner operator of a business should not ever have to flip between a bunch of different tabs, manage maybe expensive integrations to populate data into sheets for you, be crunching numbers and doing all this very laborious and tedious reporting just doesn't make sense. And so you should have access to something where you can quickly pull numbers that do take time to calculate, like understanding a touch point, you know, touch point apps to conversions, customer sales cycles, repurchase rates, all that kinds of stuff, new customer acquisition costs. You should be able to just have that like in seconds if you need it. Yeah. Um, And so the beginning of Triple Whale came with access to this data at lightning speed. Um, Since the pixel was developed, we we developed the creative cockpit, which then takes those insights to an ad creative level. Um, We have the Affluencer Hub, which manages influencer and affiliate spend and performance there. Um, And then we most recently launched uh, the FinHub, which is a financial reporting tool, which loops in with your QuickBooks. Um, and your bank accounts and your credit cards to give you live cash flow reporting. And with the addition of that, we've kind of moved now into what the broad vision has always been, kind of the one tab to rule them all, getting rid of all the spreadsheets. And so you'll see on our homepage, Triple Whale is listed as the e-commerce operating system. And our goal is that, you know, you have this one hub for all the things that you need um, so that you don't have to flip tabs. You don't have to manage a bunch of different subscriptions and websites and Excel sheets. Um, You can kind of get it all done from one place. And so as we continue to grow, that's going to mean a lot of different things. It's not just going to focus on digital marketing. There's going to be support beyond that sort of where the fin hub has started to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and then doing things so that you can maybe, you know, modify your ad campaigns, um, again, get to making decisions and actioning even faster directly in triple whale. So without giving too much away, um, yeah, I was just going to say, that, tell yeah. us more, tell us yeah. more, <laughs> right? So yeah. helping you have less tabs, less mm-hmm. stuff to manage and, and one kind of home base. Well, I think triple whale has by far been one of the easiest platforms, right? From a, a data perspective, specifically for those of us who have been in this game for a really long time, like myself, you know, it, it has been um, 
years of spreadsheets and and Google Data Studio and flipping between mm-hmm. all of them and trying to make pretty dashboards and trying to like analyze the data. And Triple Whale really just within seconds allows you to integrate and see some of that and lets you see insights that maybe you haven't been able to see from your advertising platform in the past, right? So mm-hmm. I think with iOS and all of the things that have come with those challenges, I know so many different marketers have really struggled to be able to get to the point where they can quickly and easily explain to their clients in a dashboard sort of setting as well. As well. So I love the story of it and I love that it actually does what you think it should do yeah. And it actually is affordable. That's the other thing that I think is also really cool is that, you know, this isn't a tool that is out of range for an everyday brand, right? And so a lot of times you'll find, you know, these sort of products that are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month that just aren't reasonable for people at a a smaller scale. So I love all of those different things. So without giving away too much more, what do you see kind of as the future of Triple Whale? What are some things that we can expect over this next year as, you know, I love the FinHub. I saw that. I think that's amazing because, as we work with our clients, so much of what we do is around cash flow analytics and making sure that you've got product and inventory and, and distribution fulfillment is all part of the marketing picture, in my opinion. So I loved the FinHub coming out. But what are some other things that we can expect to see kind of on the horizon? Yeah. So um, this one we actually have publicly announced, but you might not have seen it. So we did officially launch an API. Um, This is going to be really valuable because let's say, for example, um, you know, we haven't like particularly announced or locked down who will be using the API in our initial launch of it. But hypothetically, let's say that you're using like a ship Bob, a ship station, a ship hero, and you want that sort of data pulled into Triple Whale as well. So you don't have to be looking into that tab for fulfillment and order information. An API would solve something like that for you to pull that information in. Um, We are very much aware of uh, the desire for Triple Well to support Amazon. Yes. Um, so without giving any timelines or anything particular on that, I can say we hear you and things are being worked on there. Yeah. Um, Yay. Which is really exciting. Yeah. And then um, one of the biggest things I think folks, I think this is kind of like a hidden fact that we have, but we have so many folks who use Triple Whale and perhaps they don't have such a strong agency partner like yourself, Don, and they have lots of data in their yeah. uh, Triple Whale, but they don't really know what to do or how to action on it mm. um, unless they have a partner and perhaps they can't afford like an agency partner right now, which yeah. totally makes sense if you're in a smaller stage. Yeah. And so the direction that we're moving, not only in our content and our resources, but actually building into the products will be solutions in order to help people understand not just the calculation that is the metric, but what it means for their business, how they can optimize towards it, how they can make decisions that will help, you know, make that number look better for them if they need it to. Um, And so some some build-ins into the product there to really help you action on your data um, to get to the results that you're looking for. Because um, to your kind of point about our pricing strategy, yeah. One thing that really differentiates Triple Whale from other products in the space is you'll notice our pricing is not only transparent, but it's based on your Shopify revenue tier. Right. Um, not your percentage of ad spend or not your website visits, um, because really those sorts of things disincentivize growth and scale, right? Like if you have to pay right. more because you're getting more web visits. So we have our tier system set up so that, you know, our pricing is is affordable and appropriate for what you know, someone yeah. can, can pay for based on the state of their business. And it's, it's bracketed pretty broadly, right? It so is. it's like yeah. under a million, yeah. five to 10, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
And so that's one of the things that we're really passionate about is, you know, we do want to help people grow and scale and we don't want to disincentivize them by making our product more expensive because it's supposed to be the thing helping you. Right. Um, I love that. So all of the, all of the builds and all the decisions and the pricing strategy and our marketing strategy are all very much with the goal and alignment and mission and value of really helping e-commerce owners, operators grow and scale. I love that. I love that. And I think that's so important. And those are the companies that'll stick around forever, right? Are the ones that can see the opportunity at a smaller scale and help people develop and grow and then be able to stick with them when they get to the million more, right? And and it's just a natural progression of why wouldn't I stay with you? You helped me do all of these things. And I love Mm -hmm. the ability to help with the education piece of it because I think that's so missing in the space and a lot of times where you get tools and there's other SaaS tools out there that are are incentivizing you based on ad spend or charging you based on ad spend. And it definitely can hurt um, companies that maybe don't necessarily, you know, that's not the right metric to be using and or they don't explain what they're doing with the data, right? Or help Mm -hmm. them educate themselves on some of that. So I love, love, love that. Okay. Well, I'm going to shift gears just slightly in in my conversation with you. So I've had a couple of people ask um, some questions around, um, like in your opinion, because you have line of sight to so many like D2C brands, what is like one goal that you would say all all e-commerce brands should have right now in 2022, 2023, as they kind of look to the landscape? What, What are in your opinion, what what are a go- what's a goal that all e-com brands should have right now? Yeah, I mean, when I think about goal setting for e-com, it's really based on like the actual math that goes into your yeah. entire business. So um, I'm very like not the type of person that's like you should have X percent this or your MER should look like this or this should look like that because I truly believe it's on a case by case basis. Agreed. And yeah. every brand operates so differently. Um, but I think that one thing that uh, I can't stress enough is looking at the retention rate and LTV of your customers. Because yeah. even if you have to pay an arm and a leg up front to acquire a customer, if they're going to be a really sticky customer and stay with you for months, repurchase over and over, stay with you for years, become a brand advocate, that upfront money that you spent will not only, you know, be broke even, but pay dividends back in the future. Yeah. Um, and so that that for me means, you know, like I would be looking at, uh, one of the things in the product that I I talk about a lot is, um, we have a cohort analysis page that will literally show you repurchase rates. Um, you know, how long you're retaining people, what that kind of cliff looks like where they drop off. That's one page that I obsess over and over with, with clients. I'm saying like, you really need to be looking at this because, in the current advertising market, the churn and bird model just does not work anymore. Ad targeting, yeah. the platforms, they're just not as strong as they used to be in making sure that you're constantly getting served absolutely cold, fresh audiences. Yeah. And so you need to make sure that like the people that you acquire are going to stay on for a long time and make those acquisition costs worth it. And so that means not only having really clear messaging, strong creative, you know, strong landing page once you acquire them, but then making sure that you as a brand uh, provide value to them after transaction as well. Yes, yeah. And so that's your brand experience. That's your customer service. You know, one of the things I like to talk about a lot is we live in a world where Amazon and Grubhub you know, these big companies, like if you're even slightly dissatisfied with something, they're just going to refund you. Right. It's all automated now. And so people's expectations for customer service are just like 
outrageously high. Yeah. And so making sure that you provide a really stellar brand experience there and, and keep a close relationship with your customers. So be it through personalized uh, email and SMS flows and really meaningful segmentation, you know, not junking up people's inboxes, offering them value in different ways um, and making them feel like, you know, they're not just like getting another spam this Uh or that from you. Yeah. It's just one of the simplest and easiest ways to retain people and keep them engaged to keep purchasing again and, and really keep that LTV strong. And I would encourage kind of all brands right now, regardless of the size or state, to be thinking about their customer LTV and their repurchase rates and their retention timeline and yeah, and really optimizing for that. Yeah. I, I love that because I think sometimes we get in such a transactional mindset about things mm-hmm. as well. And so much of it we've been taught is about volume and how fast and how how much can you get from a customer? How cheap can you buy a customer? And a lot of times I see businesses get that really cheap acquisition cost or get it for a reasonable amount, but then they don't do anything with them on the backside. And, and so, yes, you've you know, acquired them very cheaply, but the lifetime value of your customer is so much more important than how much it costs you to acquire them upfront. And that loyalty and that brand awareness and the the repeat purchases, those are all things to me that really make or ba- break whether a brand is going to be here in another year or another yeah. two years or not, because everybody can work the levers to get acquisition costs down and get all that kind of stuff. But to keep a customer coming back and to have them buy from you again after that first initial purchase, to me, says you're doing something so right about what you're doing with your brand that I want to buy from you again, or I want to keep coming back and getting something different from you. I think that's a true sign of having an amazing stellar brand. So I love you saying that. Okay. One final question as I kind of wrap things up. So this was an interesting question and I think we could do an entire podcast about women (laughs) in e-commerce and women in marketing and women in SaaS and women in all sorts of things. But typically, you know, this is a kind of male dominated space, right? E-commerce is kind of male dominated. And then working in SaaS in (laughs) e-commerce is even more male dominated. Intersectionally challenging. Yes. (laughs) Right. So tell me a little bit about how that's been for you and, and some of the maybe positive pieces of being in this space. And we know that consumers and women primarily are the purchasers, right? Particularly in the e-com space. We know it's dominated a lot by women, but yet I find that there are a lot of men in this space, particularly in the SaaS, and there's not as many females in higher level positions or making brand decisions, things like that. Tell me a little bit about your experience from that perspective and why maybe Triple Whale has been a great fit for you from that that viewpoint. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So for context, I was an only child growing up, but all of my cousins were pretty much boys. Yeah. So I grew up around a lot of boys. I probably identified as like a Tom tomboy type. If that, I don't even know if that's still politically correct, but that was what they called it back in like the nineties yeah. yeah. when I was a kid. Uh, and so when I started a triple whale, um, I would, I currently work in an office with four other people, all of which are men. Um, and I'm currently the only woman on the marketing team and, and, um, a woman in leadership at triple whale. Yeah. And to your point, we're at the intersection of tech and e-com where, Many people that work at Triple Whale either have worked in tech a long time or have worked in e-com a long time, which means when we post job applications, they are absolutely notably, or like job openings, they're notably like 80% male applicants. Yeah, right. Um, And so 
you know, for me, like I don't, I don't cognitively, cognizantly walk into the office every day and think like, okay, I work with four dudes. Um, (laughs) I'm just like, I'm here to do my job. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, it's really worth being mindful of. So one of the things that I've been chatting about with Triple Whale since I joined is um, a lot of the design and the copy on the website for Triple Whale was written by the guys that founded the company or the initial team. And so I was like, hey, guys, you have no reviews from women on here. Right. You know, and I would say this all feels like a guy wrote it, like a, a an e-com guy yeah. wrote it. And yeah, there's no there's no shame in that. But of no, course, right. like, you have to be aware of how consumer psychology works. And like yes. if I as a woman go to a website and I don't see like a singular gal on the website or a review or anything, I'm gonna be like, I don't know if this product is for me, be yeah. it consciously or unconsciously. And so I think it really just comes down to being intentional about making sure that of course you know your customer and yeah. Unless you are literally only selling products for just men or just women, like you need to make sure that um, you're providing kind of balanced messaging, uh, visuals, all that good stuff to ensure that you aren't leaving anyone consciously or subconsciously feeling left out or like a product isn't for them. Right. Um, and even if, you know, you happen to, let's say you're listening to this and you run an e-com brand and um, you currently have a, an all-male team for whatever reason, but you sell uh, product to everyone, or you even sell women's products. Yeah. Like, of course, it would be great if you could hire some ladies. We would yeah. love that. But <laughs> if you can't afford that right now, um, make sure that you know you're really communicating well with your customers. You're reading reviews, things like yeah. that, so you can make sure that your messaging and everything is like equitable and aligned with um, really the folks who are purchasing and using your product, and not just what comes out of your brain. I think that's like. One of the biggest, you kind of mentioned pitfalls earlier, but I think one of the easiest things to do when you're working in an e-com brand is, you know, the value of your product, your brand, your whatever, and you want to tell that the way that you know to be true because you work on the inside, but that might not be how your customers describe it or how they talk about your products and making sure that you're just really tuned in with how they talk about your products or the texture of things or the taste of things. Like you got to use their messaging and their voice um, and make sure that's kind of how you lead with communication. And so that's been something that's been really central to me since I started Triple Oil, making sure that, you know, we have a a little bit more equitable and inclusive voice and and not just targeting the e-com bros of the world because I love you e-com bros, but we got some e-com gals out there too. We We got some (laughs) e-com ladies that are coming up from behind, that's for sure. But yes, definitely, definitely so. So thank you for sharing that because I do think that in this space, oftentimes, you know, you look around the landscape and you don't see a lot of females in leadership. You don't see a lot of females talking about e-com as much or agency owners even or SaaS yeah. companies or, you know, that type of thing. But like I said, we know that the majority of people purchasing primarily are female, right, in in the online space. And it's interesting to me that that isn't a conversation that's being happened or have more around um, making sure that you are really thinking about it from that perspective. So thank you for your for your point of view there. I, I appreciate yeah, that. Um, okay. As we wrap up here, one final question. If you could kind of predict the future, okay, and, and you could say, okay, I see this coming for e-commerce brands or be mindful of this e-commerce brands, what would that one thing be? Um, gosh, that's hard. I know. <laughs> it's kind of two things. Can I yeah. say two things? Is you can. Okay? Sure. Of course. Okay. So one, um, 
it's just not possible to have a thriving and healthy e-commerce brand if your product is crappy. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just not going to work because right. people are so picky and you have to, for, it, particularly if they're using like a legacy brand, you know, if you're trying to convince them from an old spice to your niche deodorant, like yeah. it really needs to be a very strong product, a very strong brand experience, strong packaging, like you just can't cut corners. Um, you know, we're not selling fidget spinners on the internet anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so um, <laughs> I I certainly would say that that is a huge thing. And then the second thing is it, with every single passing day, consumers are more and more aware of what an advertise, advertisement looks, feels, smells like, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And the best way that we can really cater to consumers as they continue to become more and more and more aware is... Um, it's kind of like what I say. It's like, we don't need to hide that ads are ads anymore, yeah. but instead make sure that you are leaning forward with communicating like, yes, this is our product. Yes. This is the value of our product. Yes. This is why you should care why it's better than something else. Trying to like hide your product as like a sneaky ad in an ad creative is just every day. I watch the eff efficacy just fall apart and fall yes. apart. And so um, be proud of the fact that you're advertising and selling your product and don't try and like hide it and wrap it up in some other sneaky message. Yeah. Just give the people what they want. And, and that also really helps with your costs, right? Cause you want quality traffic coming to your site anyway. Yep. So it's kind of, it serves you, it serves the customer, it makes the platforms happier and serve your ads to more people. And so, um, just don't, you know, don't feel like you have to hide your advertising. Just, just be yeah. real, be authentic and, and give the people what they want and tell them why they should buy your thing. I love that. That is a great place to end. And I thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your insight and experience with us. And if you liked this podcast and you want to ask Alexa more questions, feel free to reach out to us. Be sure to you know, follow us along on social media. Check out Triple Whale. We will have the link in our show notes, um, all sorts of things. But thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an amazing conversation. And I'm sure we'll have you back because I know there will be more questions questions about you and about Triple Whale. So thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you've heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to see if you're a good fit to work with the Digital Dawn team, head over to digitaldawnagency.com forward slash contact and let's book a call. Thanks so much again. And until next time.